0: welcome to the self-helpful podcast where we break down the classic and cutting-edge wisdom of self-help to discern how to actually make positive change in our lives i'm kevin miller this is our 1000th episode And first, thank you for listening, truly. Uh, With over 56 million downloads now, that means on average 56,000 people have listened to every episode, and I'm truly honored. To celebrate, I'm bringing on two favorite co-hosts to talk through our collective values, motives, and habits. These are the priorities of our lives and how we strive to practice them. Tom Ziegler is CEO of Ziegler, proud son of... Of Zig Ziglar. Most of you know him well. Randy James is a medical doctor and functional medicine expert. Both guys. I'm so grateful to call just my dearest friends. I mean, more than doing some work together, we do life together. And I have spent time with both of them every week, sometimes every day for many, many years talking about the things in our lives that matter personally and professionally. So to commemorate this one thousandth episode, we're going to have a chat together, the three of us over coffee to discuss what our values, motives, and habits are in the seven spokes of the Ziegler wheel of life. And I do this with every guest, but now I'm going to share the three of us discussing it together with you. Uh, If you want more from either of them, you can find Tom Ziegler at Ziegler.com and Randy James, Dr. Randy James at truelifemedicine.com. And if you find value from this self-helpful podcast, subscribe, leave a review, and the best thing you can do is pass on anything you learn or are impacted by to someone you care about. You can find me always at kevinmiller.co. And next up then, Tom Ziegler, Dr. Randy James, and I discuss our values, motives, and habits in the seven spokes of the Ziegler Wheel of Life. All right. Spoke number one is the spiritual spoke. And this is one we talk about amongst uh, each other quite a lot on the spiritual spoke and there's spiritual, there's religion uh, that gets in there. I think most people know us as spiritual guys, but yeah. So Tom, start us off with, you know, when you look at that overall spiritual, your spiritual spoke, that part of your life, on the value. What is the thing that you core have as a value at the core? What motivates that? And then, yeah, what's the daily practice?
2: Yeah. So let me just kind of give a little preface. Um, I did a series called the bridge to purpose. And the idea was we have, we should all get a clarity on our purpose our why, why we're here. And I said, what if we took the seven spokes on the wheel and we created a purpose for each one of those spokes that if we dove into the spiritual, which is what we're talking now, it would take us towards our bigger why, our bigger purpose. And I had people in the, in the program write a purpose statement for each one of these spokes. So uh, when we talk about the thousandth episode of the podcast. I can't think of Dad being any more um, excited about this discussion.
0: T- Tom, pause right there. I forgot to start
1: recording in progress. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 say all that again. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> I, I got the audio. That was just the video. <laughs> it is funny though. No, I got the audio. Uh... <laughs> So we will just, uh, Hey, don't edit this, leave this in. This yeah. Is right. <laughs> yeah. No, you can just start Though, You just keep going. Just go right from there. I, I got that on the, uh, on the audio, just not on the video. So go, all right, keep going.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, this is, uh, this is what it's all about and the spiritual side and in, in the way I look at it, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a bunch of things it's the virtues that we live by it's our relationship with our creator it is an awareness that people aren't physical they're spiritual when when somebody steals something from you and they return it they you get the physical thing back but you're still wounded right there has to be a spiritual forgiveness in order to get past that there has to be a spiritual understanding. And so I love that we're going first with, with the spiritual. Um, Personally, for me, you know, my spiritual mission statement is to be a conduit for God's glory. And so that means I have to be in harmony uh, with, with what I believe Christ taught. I have to, I have to walk that out. I have to live that out. And my bigger overarching mission statement is to create the atmosphere that allows you to become the person God created you to become. Hmm. And so, so in the spiritual sense, not only do I have to um, walk it out so that you, when you're around me or interact with me, you're like, hey, I want more of that. But my standard is the highest standard. It's, it's God's standard. And it's a constant uh, striving for that because we all go through life. We all have things that preoccupy us, and so how do you nurture that? That's a daily commitment. That's a conversation, and and I and I use this story when Alexandra was was a kid, you know, five or six years old. She would um, sometimes she would just come and sit in my lap, <clears throat> and about a minute later. I would say, why are you in my lap? And she would say, oh, I just want to be in your lap. Can I have some candy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I knew I was being played. And and sometimes she would sit in my lap, and then I would say, why are you in my lap? And she'd say, because I want to be next to you. Mm-hmm. I want to be close to you. And I think from a spiritual context, when we talk about our our faith and our relationship with God, I think that's the way we got to approach it. We just want to get closer. We want to get deeper. We, you know, we, we, we use those words. And so when, when you invest time every day to build that, it's, it's not about um, any, it's not a motive that says I got to check the box that said, I did this today. It's a it's a longing for connection, yeah. And how am I growing closer? And then, of course, uh, Dad said that the number one reason for his success was character and integrity. Well, those are spiritual virtues; those are qualities, right? And so, how do we live that out,
1: Randy? And you just you you both just look at me to keep going.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can you better that? So, no, no I, I it,
1: but. Thank you, and yeah. I agree. And then, how do you say words? And I'm so grateful for being in a in a place, in a time, and I don't get the opportunity to chew on these words with you, Tom, all the time, but uh, 2022 and... In that, on that spiritual spoke and grateful in my 50s at brand new 54, being able to express some of the confidence, I think, maybe in in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that that has come through presence, time, rhythm, and being one of those people that for many, many years... You know, even in my twenties, or if we go back that far let 's not do teens, but I never, and probably none of us ever approached a time with God as a to do as a check the box There was always that relatively mature thought process of I, I I crave relationship, I crave connection, but I think part of the blessing of of time and rhythm and wisdom and maybe pain over the years is i 'm able to sense an increasing confidence in my, that, that I, that I want to be in his lap to just be in his lap and, and that I, 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 I'm, in the past I would have been less trusting of my motives and now I'm more trusting of my motive that I don't want, just can I, I really don't just want some candy from God and I know pain is coming. I know challenge is coming. I know striving is there. And, and I'm grateful to be in that place of, of not full connection, but connecting more to where there's a sense of trajectory and increasing confidence in my security in this life. And the phrase I wrote down this week as we were preparing for this was, I, I feel less of a striving... To secure my place in life through all the other spokes, career marriage, and those things, because I am secure hmm. and 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 so that has become the spiritual uh, spoke I, I guess at least at this on you know on a Friday mm-hmm. in May and at in the summertime, and I hope that in June in next week it'll be a little bit different and a little bit better, a little bit more confidence and a little bit more eagerness for the future and confidence in that future.
0: You know, I got to say on this one, before the not the. I was going to say the fad. That's a bad word. It sounds negative. But before the the uh, publicity of the morning routine, right? We've got Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning and Robin Sharman's uh, Sharma's Five AM Club and starting your day off right. That both of you guys were influences on me with that morning routine of primarily being in the word of pursuing your spiritual lives. I mean, we would meet for coffee, Randy, and, you know, you pull out your journal about what you had been pondering with God that morning and seeing that and seeing the fruit of that and the fruit in your spirit it was a, uh, that got me into a better morning routine and seeking my spiritual foundation. Uh, first thing off, probably more than any other influence. Uh, and both of you guys uh, in that, It's interesting that you mentioned the word confidence. You said it twice and you said secure as well, because I met with uh, one of our good friends recently, Patrick, and uh, I didn't tell you about it. We had a long talk on spirituality and he mentioned the word confidence. And I kind of pushed back on him a little bit because I find myself pushing back somewhat on certainty, Okay. which you guys were just talking before we started recording about absolute truth, you know, and, and I think we've done spirituality poor in the context of religion with these aspects of certainty. We're certain about these things, but confidence. And he kind of backed up and then unpacked it, but he felt, he felt a peace in his own soul, you know, in regards to his relationship with, with God and, and how he perceived that and in that a confidence. And I like that, but I wanted to separate that. Cause I think knowing you confidence doesn't mean certainty. Right.
1: Yeah. I, I, over the past recent time, when a word like that comes up, I'll Google it and get uh-huh. into the etymology. Uh, yeah, did totally. you do that? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yep. So
1: how how would you say "confidere"? What is what was your tra- translation? Uh, you,
0: well, you said the word "secure." That's that's a good word to go along with it. That's probably a, uh, a synonym, you know, for that, and a couple of different definitions. But it wasn't a certainty. But I think we no, associate that. Well, that's
1: why I want to yeah. pin you down on uh, yeah. what's the Latin root words. Oh, I don't know. So con confidence. Con means with, like in Spanish. Okay. Con like chili con carne. <laughs> and fidere right. means faith. Oh, okay. Okay. So faith. Okay. That's faith, which is not certainty, but it's Exactly. Okay. But it's as close to certainty as you can get. I'm I'm still gonna place my life on this. Yeah. And and but not with but I the struggle for me now is also because I think my, my main idol or my main struggle would be to place too much security in wealth. Yeah.
0: It's, That's good. Well, oh, I'm going to steal the word security. So, you know, in, in responding to it myself, mine is, was pretty tactical, tactile as I looked at this and I thought, man, a big part
1: of wait, my, wait, wait. your spiritual, no, this my answer.
0: Active. No, no, my answer right here, this first answer to how, you know, kind of, how do I, what is a value I have in a spiritual sense it is somewhat of a comfort, a comfort aspect of, of, um, I mean, not a comfort, a security of feeling like, like realizing a big part of my spiritual life is that faith, an undergirding faith that, God is there and has my back to make it just yeah, again, a kind of a, a basic statement, a tangible statement. I've always had that. I'm grateful for that. I know that that's where the, you know, the atheist can push against that, but it just is. I got to admit that I have that. I can't deny that I feel a security to use your word that it is not all up to me. Thank goodness that my drive to work today is not a hundred percent up to my ability to foresee an accident. That I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to, you know, pray like it's up to God, act like it's up to me, kind of thing. But I do have that. I'm so grateful. I want that for my kids, you know, for others to have that feeling of it, it is not all up to me. That's a that's a primary, again, very tangible piece of my of my faith and spirituality. Um, and what brought me to Christ, uh, to well, I'd say to God to begin with, in a big sense, was just being out in the woods. It was up in Fort Collins, Colorado at 19 years old, looking around by myself on a hike, looking around and going, Man, I just can't, I can't not believe that this was divinely created. And, and as I go up, uh, you know, go forward in life to see the glory and the majesty and, and miraculousness that I see of life, I can't believe that that just Uh, Just happened. And then just the personal experiences that I would say are on the good and evil side. I'm reading a book right now I want to share with you guys uh, from John Mark Comer. Uh, He's the guy who wrote The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He's got a new book called, I don't know, I gave it to our buddy Todd for his time away at the monastery i think it's called live no lies but it's talking about good and evil so i'm gonna have him on the show but i want to talk to you guys about it but that i have a, a staunch faith in the reality of the forces of good and evil that i can't not believe in because of my experiences so those are kind of those values in there and what do i do you know from daily daily practices is is that trying to start the day off with getting my spiritual lens on. And I think more and more as I grow, as I mature, as I'm more self-aware and being present in the day-to-day, I've taken that breath and palms up, as our buddy Dustin would say, palms up and give this day and this moment and this decision uh, to Christ. But again, I want to say to you guys, you've both been influences on me over the years in that.
2: I like this discussion on confidence. Um, we, we, David Wright, who's our head coach at Ziegler, says that coaching is a transfer of confidence. Mm. And when you look at people who get shook to the foundation, and you kind of watch which way are they going to go? Are they going to give up? Or are they going to go on? you can tell where their confidence is coming from, If your confidence is from God, right? If that transfer, because look at, in a a way, God's a coach, right? And if that confidence is coming from there, it's never shaken. I mean, physically, we're going to still go through the pain and the anguish and all the things that we do as physical beings and, and spiritual beings, but the confidence and then I compare that, and this is where I go, this is my morning couch time when I'm thinking about these things. I look at some of the tragedies that we're seeing today, uh, whether it's ministries that are being taken down. I know the Southern Baptist Convention's going through a lot. And you see where people have made decisions and justified them based on confidence from within themselves rather than a spiritual confidence. And I'll give an example. When, when something happens in a ministry or in a, in a convention where there's a victim and the leadership doesn't run to the victim and say, oh my gosh, we had no idea. Let's help. <laughs> Let's do anything we can to help. And yet they pull back and they say, wait a second, the ministry is more important than that one person. So we've got to cover it and hide it and and disregard the victim because the ministry is too important. Well, what that is a display of is a display of that God's not capable of handling everything, Hmm. it's a lack of confidence. Right. God's God's not going to take care of this. Like, wait a second, the creator of the universe, the one who gives me the ultimate confidence, he's going to penalize his me or his kingdom because we're doing the right thing. He's got a bigger and better plan. And so I just I just shake my head where where if the ultimate confidence comes from God we, we do what we can do and we're told to do good. I mean, it's pretty clear the direction that we're give given. And when we do that, God's got the rest of it. It's like to think that a ministry or our business is dependent on us alone. When we do right, it's the
0: confidence is coming from the wrong place. I may I appreciate that, Tom. I, I just had a conversation a couple of days ago with somebody who is doing some work with me. And it was talking about that. When I start losing confidence, start losing faith, I start finagling things. And that's my personal red flag. And that's the vernacular I use. You know, it's one thing to try to influence something, to try to control something, to try to do due diligence. When I start finagling, I know I'm in trouble. Uh, there's my, that's when I'm lacking confidence, probably in somebody or in God's uh, orchestration of this. And I'm making an executive decision because I want to do justice to these folks. This is going to be a two-part a two part recording here because uh, we're already going long, but I don't. But it's it, this is what's relevant. So, um, the next this could be a seven part recording. I was I honestly could it honestly could. Um, the next one is relationships, which is a great one to come after spiritual because we're talking about the relationship with our spiritual life, with our God, with the entities that we do and don't recognize, uh, but then just relationships and you know, to expand on those from, we obviously think of family to think of friends. And here we are as a group of friends, but, uh, Randy, you start off with you know, what hit you with the things that you value, those motives behind relationships, and then what you're, what you put in place
1: the the habits to practice those. So I think you guys would all agree that probably there's a, there's kind of a thread of each spoke that goes through each spoke. Yeah, totally. Okay. okay. So so in, in relationships my my realization as a as an as an older person who's really not old but middle middle years and I'm I'm so grateful for these these recent years where my parents are approaching eighty. I'm mid-fifties, my kids are now mid-teens and and perspective and then I have relationships with, with you, with friends, with employees, with... I have a relationship with work, with money. And and this word relationship, I, I I wish there was kind of a better word. It's We were talking earlier, I think, yeah, about love, right? Like, it's just unfortunate that in English, in American English, love is the word for love because that's terrible. Where you can love hot dogs or love swimming or love your wife or love whatever. I'm like, how did that ever happened because it has really hurt our relationships.
0: (laughs) Speaking of words, I pulled that out the other day, love and the different types, you know, and you've got, you know, four types, seven types. I mean, people uh, extrapolate out, but you've got, you know, Eros love and you've got agape love and you've got those. I like that. That would be a great one to say. I...
1: I Eros you. No, not you. (laughs) I mean, I uh, filet
0: you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. How do you refer to that hot dog with the appropriate love language?
1: Okay, so in the the relationships, and the the same thing with relationship, that word where we say, oh, it's not a religion, it's a relationship, or oh, it's not a, you know, my marriage is not a... Perfunct, you know, roommate relationship. It's not a roommate love. It's it's this kind of thing over here, and I'm like, gosh, it's so burdensome to try to have to explain it. Like Mm -hmm. in English, we do have to say, well, this is what I mean by love. And so, relationships, and where I'm landing now is to say, oh my goodness, that word. I would argue now, or I'm arguing, I'm learning that we could say it's foundational to. To foundation, meaning God is so scripture says a few things about God is this, and one thing is love, but i I would say relationship, so in this world that we are in existential reality is only relationships, and so and and it 's exemplified by this Trinitarian reality of God is too multifaceted to be just one, but, and he's, he's also too unified to, to be many, and it's this mystery. And so now I'm, I'm approaching my parenting through the lens that I first have to be in a proper relationship with God in order for me to say, hopefully, I, I cannot control my 16-year-old in the way he thinks, but I have influence. I have presence. I'm I'm in time and rhythm with him, and and so, it's so so I'm coming back to the idea that everything is relationship, yeah. and and not to go down that rabbit hole, but I'm going to say it because I get to come at it from the physics as a physician side of things that you are in relationship with your body and your liver's in relationship with your thyroid and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then indeed Jesus in Colossians uh, is just, is saying, yeah, I, I hold all things together. Okay. Well, this increases my confidence in my relationship with God. And if I am then, you know, fumbling through these words in my relationship with Marcy and we are striving down that pathway so now it's okay well what do you do and I think okay where I am now is I'm endeavoring I'm striving to speak this into myself into you and and friends the 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 employees the work and my family that 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 is the prime mission field for me right now or that's where I am and you know and in the time and rhythm and You know, in Acts, and we are we are in the time and place that God has put us, and so here we are. So, each each person, each patient, each hour or whatever, is a prayer filled relational. I have a relationship with that time, with that person, with this presence, and and so so that's where that's my action item right now is to be orienting myself rearranging how I'm spending my time in preparation for uh, a patient or dinner time or whatever with that end. Yeah.
0: It makes me think that of it. Sense? Yeah. <laughs> the word investment is what I kept coming to as you were talking about. And even as I thought about this for myself, but to start with, you know, for me, you saying that we're in relationship with everything you said as a physician, you know, with our body, with our, whatever it was uh, to speak of Robin, Robin Sharma for the second time when I asked him, to walk through the habits here in in the Ziegler wheel of life. And I asked about relationship. He was the first person to say, well, the first relationship, most important one is self is the relationship that he had with himself. Now, as you bring up God, I think a lot of our faith based brethren would say, no, God is first. I question that a little bit. I see. Yeah.
1: So daily in the practice, it is, one of our chief cornerstones is the word relationship. And I will say to people, many of our patients are believers, and I'll say, but your first relationship got, is God-ordained that your first relationship was with self. Okay. As a child, you cannot have a relationship with God in the way that we think of relationship with God because you don't even know your own self. Yeah. And then that also brings in selfishness and sin and those kind of—we are self-oriented to begin with. And then we have to reorient ourselves on God and these other kinds of relationships that we're talking about today. Well,
0: and so th- that was again, obviously impacting to me to sort of think about. And I have to remind myself relationship, my first investment is with me. That's how I then am able to connect with my relationship with God. And then from there, others. And that, man, that just, that's so stout to me that my foundation, my rudder of how I relate to others good and bad starts with how I relate to myself. And as I get older and I think hopefully wiser, or at least have more insight realizing that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the crux. The guy who's I'm looking at in the mirror is where my relationships, uh, start. But guys, there was a, I think it was writing my book, maybe latter part of last year or something like that. Talk, thinking about thinking through this discussion of relationships that I found myself pondering. If I woke up, and and this is so it's been so impacting to me ever since if i woke up tomorrow everything's the same one of those dystopian movies you know but everything's not wrecked everything's just the same everything's humming along but there's just no people just period there's no people Hmm. zero just you it's just me my first thought is i i have no motive my motive to live to take the next breath just went away i can go drive a porsche 200 miles an hour along the interstate. Let's pretend sushi's still not, it hasn't gotten moldy yet, you know, so I can eat my fill. I can, you know, do whatever. How long would that be fun for without another soul? And it's just me. And if I know that, different than the dystopian movies, I'm not going off with a purpose, a searcher for somebody else because I know that there's nobody else. There is no purpose. It really kind of leveled me of realizing that, oh my gosh, it made me even think of the monk Thomas Merton, who when I first started reading his stuff, I was a little judgmental because I thought, seriously, the dudes, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, he's off in a cave for three years, just him and God. Is that really enough? Like he's not going to serve somebody. And it was later in coming back to that, I realized he was still engaged in relationship with himself, with God, and he wrote like 54 books. That was his way of trying to impart, trying to have purpose with other people. And again, brought me to that aspect of, man, we so find purpose. Like we talked about this morning with our guys, we find our purpose and fulfillment in mattering to others, I think. So that's just so paramount to me as I look at my work and bring myself back to my desire to matter. To others is selfish, and, and I think you know altruistic in the same way. So, but back to your word, then. So, how do I practice those values out? It's it, to me, it's the word investment is number one. Um, I am a, an introvert. I am happy alone and I can do that. And yet it's, I'm grateful for the accountability of doing the shows. So Tom, every, every week, at least once a week, you and I come on to a show and we always start off with, hey, how you doing? And we may spend three minutes catching up. We may spend 30 minutes catching up on life and uh, you know, kids and marriage and faith and, and whatnot. Randy, we've got the gift of working in the same office and go through a lot of times of seeing each other daily. Sometimes it'll, you know, ebb and flow, but really in the term of investment, the one that came to mind is however many years ago when, uh, I started meeting with guys back then, I think it was Thursday mornings and realizing the value in it,
1: even though it it takes your time, even though
0: most of those mornings I would think, oh my gosh, I just got a lot to do. And I'm looking for a reason to say no.
1: Yeah
0: going, like I know i 'm supposed to be in community with other people and accountability and relationship and counsel. and, with, and so doing that and i 'm so grateful that that has continued forever i 've been doing it for a decade of meeting with a handful of guys you know every morning, and it 's the same thing with my family and Tom, I think about you talking about your dad you know is the and the quandary between quantity and quality of time, and at this point i 'm just i 'm looking for both you know as much time as i uh, can spend with my kids, the better with my family, the better with friends, the better, and then having quality as well. And just having to, one of you said that kind of reorient, reorient, my day and my life around work is not all important. Money's not all important. Whatever value I have in work is not all important. Um, I can't also spend all day with my family because there are things that have to be done in the daily balance of those. And so it's a budgeting. I think a big habit of mine is just the budgeting of time so that I am able to. I mean, I'm so incredibly grateful for being self-employed. And I put that out there not as a holy grail, but for me, it's what allows me with so many interests, with my hobbies and achievements, which we'll get into in a little while with my family to be able to do that. Otherwise it would be difficult, uh, for me again, in my, in my economy, but, um, yeah, you guys are a big part of my relationships, Tom.
2: Yeah. So let me, let me kind of give a metaphor. I like to make it simple for me. Um, and so I go back to a just a matter. you know we're talking about the seven spokes on the wheel of life and so think of a wheel and in this context for me my wheel god is the hub of the wheel and so now you've got seven spokes coming out and a tube is one of the strongest structures there is and so think of these spokes coming out of the hub as tubes Right. And then the tube flows relationship. And so this relationship circles the whole tire, the whole wheel, right? It's, it's, it's in every category. It's in the spiritual, it's in the physical, it's in the mental, it's in the, every one of these you have relationships and Randy was right on that. You know, there's, there's really three relationships that all of us have. We have a relationship with ourself We have a relationship with God and we have a relationship with others. And that's how we're wired. We were created for relationship. We're hardwired. There's been medical studies. We're we're wired for relationship. You you deprive somebody of relationship and you're dooming them to fate worse than death. I mean, it's just we, this is the way we were created. I remember a conference and... I was taking a lot of questions, and at the end, one of our uh, coaches came up and said, you know, every problem was different, but every answer was really the same. It was relationships. And I said, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's relationship. And there was a – I talk about the 75-year Harvard grant study, but basically people – the study revealed that people – who were happy and satisfied with their life in their 90s, it's because their priority was relationships. It wasn't, you know, more financial success or trips or hobbies or, you know, stuff, or, you know, it was the quality of their relationships. And so when you start to study relationships, relationships are built on trust, right? So if you're gonna be a 10 in a category then you're going to have to have a lot of trust with the people who are influential in that category. Well, trust stems from integrity. If you don't have integrity, then people can't count on you. Therefore, they can't trust you. And so if you're in the middle of the relationship, you've got to have integrity, which is going back to the spiritual values and virtues that we live our life by. And so then you ask, well, where does integrity come from? And integrity comes from the truth. And so who's the author of truth? Well, that's God. That's the center of the hub, right? And so you can just see how in order to have great relationships, you've got to build them on trust. And that only happens if you're a person of integrity. And integrity is developed and grown and is a result of truth. Because truth cannot contradict itself. That's the ultimate integrity. And so then I ask myself, well, how do I, um, how do I build relationships? Well, I got to work on those three, re- three uh, relationships every day. <laughs> one with the creator, one with myself, and one with others. And so to me, the word is intentionality. Yeah. Right, because if we're not intentional... We get too busy to go eat, go hang out with our friends, spend time with our kids. At our conference, um, we had a guest speaker, Owen Fitzpatrick, and he was talking about coaching someone. And this person worked 20 hours a day. And he came to him and he said, I'm a workaholic. I need to break this pattern. And he said, I need to spend more time with his kids. And so they started working on it and then they're getting together for a session. And he says, yeah, I miss my kid's birthday party because of work. This just happened. And so Owen said, well, when are you going to tell him? And he goes, tell tell him what? And Owen said, when are you going to tell him your son that your work is more important than he is? And he said it was the only time in his practice that he thought he was going to get punched. (laughs) But it was the change, right? It was the truth. And so we've got to be intentional about what is most important. And
0: we've got to dig into that. I mean, that's why I love this question. Even looking at relationships and asking the question of what do we value and then how are we going to walk that out? And Tom, as I look at us historically as humans and look at these spokes, I think this is one of the areas that we're saying it's the most important one to us and probably the one where we have habitually the least intentionality. Uh, And and I, I count myself in there as well. A lot of what happens is just by proxy of the environment. If you've got kids and you wake up in the morning, there they are and you spend time together. But when am I really intentional on what I value and how I walk that out? That's probably my top word for the impetus of what I need to focus on in relationships for, for, for health and wellness, which is our next one, health and wellness Dr. James Keyspa. I'm not going to let you start though there. I'm, I'm going to start there. Health and wellness. Man, we look at a value there. I mean, that's one that you and I talk about a lot. Tom, you and I do as well. Health and wellness. I mean, that's one that uh, I'm grateful for my desire in that. I know it's not the norm. Uh, I was privileged to you know go into athletics and be a, a pro athlete and that helped me though. We got, we got a lot of pro ex pro athletes who are in terrible health, but I had some great influences in my life, even before you, Randy James, um, on real health and wellness on long-term health and wellness. And I got to say today, I'm just grateful that I have an innate desire. I'm, I'm inspired to be well, cause I want to feel well. I hate feeling unwell and I'm probably a baby in that, you know, the littlest thing I'm grateful. I didn't have to birth children and and go through that. I don't know if I could handle it because you go through so long of feeling unwell. So I do. I put such a great value for myself on how I feel and what I'm capable and able of. And some of that's ego as well. Some of it's self-image and ego. And I like that my kids know that I'm highly capable. I like doing bike races still today. And so there's probably, uh, you know, some things I got to watch out there for. I could be addictive on that side of with exercise especially, but I'm grateful that yeah, my exercise is what you say, Randy. What's the best exercise? The one you'll do. The one you'll do. It's the one I'll do is what's play for me is getting out on the trails, getting out in the woods and riding and running. And you and I were talking about and actually no, it was with Patrick. What
1: we could even say the one you like to do. Yeah. That's the
0: best well we were talking about so Pat our buddy Patrick, we were talking about Stephen Kotler. Yeah. And flow. Yeah. And my question to Stephen when I had him on the show is I, I feel like flow, as he describes it, is, is, is best achieved in an area where you have some level of mastery. Yeah. Like you could do it. We talked about it. You could do it skiing. Uh, and a physical aspect is, is pretty good to it for it as well. I can't do it in skiing because I'm not that good mountain biking. I can, you know, technical trail running. I can, but even to some point, you know, artistry, when you're doing your art or Tom writing, you know, when you're writing something, you can get in an aspect of flow. If it's something that you, you participate in a lot, but anyway, so yeah, you know, for my, I have multiple, my relationship with health and wellness. I, I really like on the nutrition side, you know, we've, uh, I think Continually evolved into eating cleaner and, and looking at fasting and those things. And I mean, I'm like a human too. I have appetites that I love to feed. I like my wine and chocolate and coffee and pizza, gluten, and you know all that kind of stuff. Burgers and whatnot. I like that, but I'm grateful that I've elevated my appetites and keep the harmful things at bay a little bit minimized and and have learned to really enjoy the things that are more life giving. Um, so, but I mean, I value health and wellness. A lot, even to a fear standpoint. I fear disability, which I'm gonna to have to come to grips with at some point, someday. You know, at a, at a lesser ability. But right now, I'm grateful to be 51 and still setting PRs and, and competing at a level. And, and and you know, to undergird that, even as I talk about the physical aspect, knowing that that physical being as I stand here is what's housing my brain and giving it its ability to be uh, capable. And in work like what we guys, what we all have, where there's a lot of creative nature, man, I rely on them. You know that you wake up in the morning feeling poor. It's really hard to write down anything coherently brilliant. Uh, and I want to do that. So it's a, it's a motive to, to be healthy and well. You have know, daily investments. Man, I, I again, I don't have to think
1: about that as much. What we've patterned, you and I have. I was going to say you have invested in this and just like other areas where like money, if you put in enough money over time there, there, it becomes almost a self-generating thing, Yeah. right? Like it, you're getting a return on your investment. Now the the rhythm is there, the time is there. And just like in the marketplace that doesn't guarantee you, you know, your security is still in God. World war three could happen. Uh, the, the money goes away and so could your health. Yeah. But you've invested in it.
0: I have not have a great blue zone as we so often talk about. And when we sit out in the deck and have our food, it's usually leftover the night before and it's veggies and, you know, maybe a meat and some good carbs, you know, some r- brown rice or, or whatnot, or quinoa or something like that. And so we, we eat well and keep the harmful inflammatory things at a minimum. Um, and, uh, you know, there's cycles, uh, but the daily investment and, and that's, you know, something that we've taken into our families and we talk about there. So, man, I'm grateful for my desire for wellness and the ability to pursue that in the blue zone with guys like you who think similar, similarly. Um, and uh, well, Tom, how about you, man? Wow. Well, so this is,
2: you know, the spokes for me, this is the one that uh, I was just blessed with the ability to retain anything that I eat. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm really, really good at that, um, and so it's always, you know, since I was I was raised on cocoa puffs and sweet tea. I mean, six years old. Literally that's proper Texan. So it's been something that you know it's constantly on my radar. It's got to be intentional, and I can go for months with intentionality, and then and then slack off, and and boom, it's like my body's like, ooh, this this is good, right? Which isn't good for me. Uh, so it's a constant, it's a constant battle. Uh, and, and the way I get back on track is, there's gotta be a higher purpose associated with it. Um, I, you know, One of the things I write about in, in the book Choose to Win is that your, your physical health either limits or unleashes your potential I mean, it's, it's, it's the driver. Um, A lot of people, when they, I'm going to, I'm going to get on track, you know, I'm going to set goals. They start with the physical goals, which is fantastic. You should, uh, because if you can make headway and progress physically, you're going to have more energy. You're going to have more clarity. Um, At the same time though, people join the gym in January and quit in February (laughs) And so short-term success is better than no short-term success. But at the same time, you've got to work on the spiritual and the mental because those are the two things that are actually going to have the long-term impact in you staying in better shape. I was hunting around, you know, I try to, one of my habits is to put the right input on in. So whenever I see a new study about you know, uh, physical health. Uh, I like to read it. And so the one I read last week was the number one indicator of somebody gaining weight over the next six months is starting a diet. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's acutely, harshly true. Yeah. And, and it's because it's not Uh, holistic it's not relational it's not for a higher purpose it's 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 you wake up one day and everything's tight you don't want to go buy new clothes and somebody's made a comment and so you're operating out of fear and other things rather than wait a second i was created for more right and it's a different it's a different relationship so the, the physical has been something and like i'm i am 60 pounds lighter than off of my heaviest um so for a lot of years i was 255 260 i'm st- i still got an extra 20 i need to get rid of it's like the 20 that's like my best friend <laughs> i don't know what i don't know what the deal the, the is the comfort 20 <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah so but the the thought that that got me off of um uh, that lost the 60 was I was literally following my routine, praying for, you know, I just felt icky. And I was, and I was like, God, um, my, my word for the year was two words. It was pure and simple. I write, I just wanted to be pure and I wanted to be simple. And it was in a spiritual mental context that had nothing to do with the physical And then this thought comes into my head, and I think, you know, I think something happened. I think maybe God did a download, and he said, why don't you eat pure? (laughs) It's like, oh, what does that mean? And so that's kind of like, man, when I'm I'm doing good, I'm eating pure physically. And pure just means the way God made it. No chemicals, no processing, nothing that's got multi-syllable words in it. And because when I dug into it, it was like food, the way God made it. And it's amazing what happens when you do that. Um, And then I think about every area of our life. What if we just said, Hey, I want to be pure in my relationships. I want to be pure in my spiritual walk. I want to be pure in my career. and and, And so the word I would use for uh, the physical is just pure. Yeah. And you know, if you, if somebody's going to give you a bar of gold that weighs, you know, five pounds, what purity do you want it? Do you want it like twenty percent pure? Do you want it like ninety nine point nine nine nine? Yeah, it has more value. Well, would you trade your life for a five pound bar of gold? No, we wouldn't. So that's you know the highest standard striving for for purity um you fall short every day i mean i think you could probably drink tap water and it's not as pure as it could be yeah right but maybe the word is purer
0: (laughs) we can always be more we can be purer for sure (laughs) yeah and you talking about that pure uh and my thought was you're it's we're in a convenience culture. We know that we talked about a microwave culture for so long and to eat that way is not as convenient as that off the middle shelves in the grocery store processed food that is ready to eat in one minute in the microwave or whatnot. But, um, in your, your aspect about diet, yeah, that is an interesting stat they pulled out there because we generally look at diet as a short term result, as opposed to what you're leading your patients in and what's the diet you want to, uh, engage with, Forever in essence for the person you want to be and what you value. And I think it's been on me too with health and wellness, especially in regards to weight and and health overall is seeing that when aesthetics, which is our biggest driver, but when that is the driver, I see the least sustainability Um, even though I am very aware of the aesthetics, I mean, I, look, I like to look good and to look, you know, trim and fit and whatnot. And yet what keeps me going most is what you and I talk about. It's the who I'm going to be when I'm 80 is really the core driver. And I'm grateful for that because it was just aesthetics. It's too easy to to let it go. And I, I don't see people sustain it as well.
1: It's it's uh, uh, hard er for me to <laughs> land on on things in this area because yeah what do you think about health and wellness doctor health and (laughs) wellness (laughs) uh so in with respect to time and not going down the rabbit hole uh my thoughts on this today to say okay here here we all are in our middle years we're not 80 and uh and what and the answer to what kind of guy are you going to be at 80 and it's like well i'm going to Look at you now and your habits, and I'm going to make a strong bet as to what kind of guy you're going to be then. Yeah. And so, the, um, Tom, I wrote this down because you're, you're a guy that said, "Gosh, all the problems are so different, but the answers the same." And no kidding, I mean, I think we could say that about finances, and we could absolutely say that about medicine, where now we have. The ICD-10 codes, 162,000 names for things that can go wrong, all the problems. But what, what's the answer? And, and we're back to these, these very not simple, well, they are simple, but they're profound. They're deep. What are the answers for what is health, what is wellness, and, and how then do we be ourselves and how do we then, our families, how do we help them be? And in my case, it's, it's a profession, and, and the word physician, looking it up, I, I've been doing a lot of that, and do you know where it comes from? So, physics, uh, and f- okay, I won't try to say the Latin and Greek, but "phusis" means nature, and so physics is, you know, how do things work, and a physician is trying to say, well, how do things work in the body, and, a, and, and I would say, okay, what's the relationship that you're body has with itself what and the most core intimate one there i I don't think people would argue against this is your your brain which is the house of your mind which is the house of your soul and so that relationship of brain mind or body and soul is 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 where i think the crux is like why would you do anything well you want to be becoming the kind of guy at 50 whatever 60 70 80 uh But the crux of it is going to be, I want to have a mind. I want to be thinking. I want to be in relationship with myself, with God, with my wife, with my family. And, and I want to have mission, passion, purpose, and all of that. Well, God designed it that, Hey, your brain is in, is in your body. And what's good for your brain is good for your liver and your thyroid and your skin and everything else. And so as we're looking at this whole thing, there's thousands of ways we could describe pathology and there's a few ways that we describe true medicine and those are the things that you do have control of of how do you put things in your body through your mouth through your eyes your ears your skin how do you move how do you what kind of product do you produce how, what kind of words do you say to your wife what kind of attitude do you wake up with you you have control. you have the creation, I would say that God created freedom that the imprint or the image of God in us is decision is freedom is free will is a mind. Mm-hmm. And so you can eat this or eat that. and there's a time and a place for just about everything including cocoa puffs, but pretty darn rare. You've had <laughs> you've had enough like <laughs>
0: pretty rare. But they're fortified but, with eight essential vitamins but, and iron.
1: Okay, so if it keeps you from death, that would be one time. And, and we all have our cake and ice cream and our birthday and those kind of things in this relationship with food. And, and so there it is. That's my kind of hierarchy of the way of thinking about it. But I, I had something new to say to you guys today. What is the number one thing that's likely to take the three of us out of commission. What area of pathology? I think I already told you this.
0: Yeah, I don't remember. So
1: it's still okay. new.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you can't answer. We're going to put
1: Thomas. No. Or just what's first thought in your head? It's like gonna what's. Take me out. Yeah. That's going to take you out of what you would call your best life, your true life.
0: Well, of course, I think me personally or statistically.
1: Statistically, statistically. you know, people. Oh, that let's say you're middle aged. You're not. You're secure in finances. you do not. Somebody's not going to shoot you. You know. You're not living in a war zone or safety thing. Food is, food is there. I don't know. Car wreck, cancer. What do you think? Loneliness. Uh, wow. Okay. Loneliness. That's a curious answer. My answer is is musculoskeletal. Taco Bell? (laughs) Taco Bell.
0: (laughs) That is a close (laughs) second. Musculoskeletal. Okay.
1: Explain. Well, because here we are. And so Tom, you're right. If your metabolic, if your metabolism, if you could have been born a thousand years ago, you would have been the chief of the village and you would have put me to shame because I can't gain weight. So I have to, I'm so much more dependent upon the next meal than you are. And, but then when you're born into a time when the next meal is, is, is jumping into you from everywhere, then your metabolism is the one that's a problem. And, and, that, and, and you said that, yeah, you got to think about it. Okay, uh, so, so that's kind of on the metabolic side. Uh, I like your answer of loneliness though, Uh, but I would say the chances, I'm not going to bet on loneliness for you. So uh, then you said statistically, and I mean more us. Yeah. The thing is, is because what we do every day is we don't move the way the body was designed to move. We sit. And then when we do move, and even in your case where it's like, it's a furious activity for an hour... And then you go sit.
0: sedentary the rest of the day, yeah. That's right.
1: Yeah, true. And that, so that's a red, so I, I, so I've, as I'm learning and reading and thinking and say, the thing that's most likely that you're an 80 year old not doing what you want to do is not loneliness. It's not um, a heart attack, stroke, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, because I know you and I I don't think those are going to be it. It's musculoskeletal. That's going to, it's that shoulder, that back, that knee, that hip. For me, it's that puffiness of joint awareness. Yeah that is going to be the the lingering slow decline. So, so for my 55th year right now, for next year that's my my action item then is to say okay, what's my relationship with the kind of things that I have control over that are taking me out of strength through range of motion.
0: Yeah. It, it makes me think of, you know, towards that thing, especially the manly thing, especially the past athletes, you got that nagging thing, man, you just grin and bear it, you know, and gut it out. I don't want to do that. You know, last year I had a, a lipoma. So, yeah. uh, which what's the layman's terms, a, a fatty tumor. Fatty tumor went yeah. on my back and uh, had our buddy, chiropractor, saying, I think it's impinging on some things and causing some, some pain and, and uh, lack of, of range of movement, whatever. Anyways, I, I don't want to be the old guy who can't do that. And so I got
1: surgery. I, they went in and— Remember how we talked about your neck and, and how it's kind of angled forward yeah. and biking and all those yeah. kind of things? Yeah. So another buddy of ours, uh, David, who does the 100-mile yeah. runs, yeah. was laying down on the floor— his head won't go all the way back. Oh. He can't put his head down the floor. And he asked me, he says, is that abnormal? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I hooked him up with Stefano over oh, okay, here. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, you, that's a significant, uh, lie. but he didn't even know it. Here he is, 60, whatever. it's like, yeah, I can't lay flat on the floor. That's going to impinge your activity in well, the future. And somehow.
0: even from an athletic standpoint, we know the guy, you know, here in Colorado, you see the Guy who's 90 and he's still shuffling along doing a marathon and whatever, and which is cool, better than the guy in the wheelchair or on the couch or whatever. But without doing some things to enhance and keep that range of motion, uh, I don't want to be that either, which is what motivates me to get down and do my push ups and planks and burpees and pull ups and dips and stuff. Because I, otherwise, I, I don't care to do those, I'm not super inspired to do those, I, they're not fun like running. And writing, so no, that's interesting to to hear. I, I want to say a couple of things on what you talked about. Physician, I my thought culturally is when people hear what's the purpose of a physician or what's that mean is it, more just fixer. Yeah, yeah. The unfortunate, it's not keep me healthy. It's just fix me so I can get back up when I break when I have a pathology. That's how we think about it. I, I would agree. It's it's fixer errant view. And then, you know, you talking about food, I just, as you were talking, I was thinking again about that cultural perspective. I think we have a food, we're like a wood burning stove, man, just throw anything in there that it can burn and we're good. And that we're not wood burning stoves, that that food I'm taking in is the building blocks of my eyes. I was looking at your eyes and the ability for me to keep seeing and not to get, you know, a a decline in my eyesight, in my skin, in my hair, in my whatever is, is looking at the food as a building block or back to the. Asian or you know the eastern perspective of food as medicine man we just do not that's why when you so often think man don't people know this (laughs) obviously not (laughs) we we don't know this uh so we got to keep talking about it um and and you did talk about you know i'm not going to go down the rabbit hole that as of this new uh format of the show on fridays now folks that we're i'm publishing we've only done two so far maybe three as of this recording of functional fridays where randy and i get on and we talk and go through the the pillars in essence of health and wellness initially but then we get into specific things from Alzheimer's to uh, uh, metabolism to it,
1: autoimmune. It, it it really is like you're listing now those 162 thousand ways we can go wrong. And by the way, the ICD uh, 11 is coming out next year, I think, and I think it goes up to 200 plus thousand somethings. And <laughs> oh, and one of those is actually aging. So, yeah. in case you didn't know this, you are everybody is now born with a disease, which Im- implies uh, dependency, lack of freedom, lack of free will. I am now, I need a government. I need an insurance. I need something just, I'm a day older. uh, Thus I am handicapped. Therefore you are diseased. I'm becoming it's, it's so our, we, we live in a cultural time where this is really, really tough, but again, all 162,000 autoimmune, whatever else. And of course we say the same things all the time. Oh, autoimmune. Okay. Let's talk about diet through autoimmune. Oh there's uh we wanna lose a weight okay, let's not just do a diet, but we're gonna talk about the whole seven spokes of everything, everything, everything as it pertains to your where do you feel called to weigh, and why, yeah. and what's that gonna do and and then, of course, your mind and just the the uh the crux of that interplay of all of those kind of things. Yeah. Now we, we could go down the rabbit hole.
0: Well, and as people <laughs> hear this, I don't know what shows will publish, but you and I do one. We do a talk on ageism. I don't think that that, that will have published yet. And um, and yeah, you're talking about ICD codes and for people to hear that. That's what a doctor like Randy has to give you a code to say this is what's wrong. If you're going to have a treatment,
1: uh, if you're going to have a referral to another another specialist or get a or, prescription. Or if you're going to hope that your insurance company yeah. pays for they're yeah. paying for the code. Yeah,
0: and we yeah we just did a show with Sarah Faye and talked about the mental eye aspect, which is the same concept the DSM where they have the codes there. And yeah, there's more and more all the time. It reminds me, we have a game called uh, fun employed where you, uh, it's just, you know, it's a game we play at the house with the kids and you have like a, I need a janitor and everybody has these cards. I got to take their cards and make a case for why they would be a good janitor, but you get a, like a fifth card and it's your saboteur card. So the person next to you, you know, they try to sell themselves and you say, okay, yeah, but, and you have your saboteur card. And one of them is they have every problem ever. <laughs> and It's just the funniest one to our family and to me because it comes up like that. At this point, I've got every ICD code and DSM code ever. Uh, it's a bad place to be.
2: So let me, let me ask uh, the panel a question. Panel. <laughs> so I read years ago that our Western medical system is really based on Newtonian physics and the presumption was that our DNA is coded and there's nothing we can do about it. And so that's why um, surgery and pills are a great solution because it doesn't really matter what you do anyway, you've got it. But then quantum mechanics comes out and basically says, wait a second, we're really energy and the way we think about things, we can see at the cellular level differences in a positive or a negative attitude. Well, I think, you know, I was, I look at you two guys on the screen and pretty strong statements for a picture outwardly of what good health looks like. Right. Right. <laughs> physically fit, BMI is probably right on, probably body fat is way lower than the average human being for your age in the United States. I mean, all these things are there, but you cannot change a belief with evidence because belief is a feeling. It takes feelings to change a belief. And so somewhere along the way, your belief changed about, wait a second, we do have agency. We can think differently, eat differently, do different things in our life that changes our physical physiology, our health and, the, and, and everything else. And then I go back to dad's original quote. You are what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. And you can change what you are and where you are by changing what goes into your mind. And so when I look at this picture of health standing in front of me, my thought goes back to my little quote that says, what you feed your mind determines your appetite. And so I'm wondering, what do you think, with all that context, is is successful physical health really because you're constantly focused on how can I be weller? And you hang out with people who are also focused on how can I be weller? And Randy, your higher calling is to help people be weller. And you start with the physical piece of it and then branch out. Kevin, your higher calling is to help people be weller. (laughs) And you start with whatever that person's purpose is, and then it branch out to all the things But both of you are constantly focused on that. So I don't know if I had a question there, but my question is, how much of your physical wellness is because you believe quantum, not Newtonian, and you hang out with people who believe the same thing, and you don't leave the chance reading stuff that's going to help you move forward?
1: A lot. Uh, we're we're smiling at you, Tom, because we've 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 chewed on that very thought for so long. Of if 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 you asked, well, how often do you get sick, and we we uh, we gave an answer: once every something. Oh well, that's less than the average. Well, what do you do to not get sick? Nothing and everything. And, and one of the, I'm so grateful because it's it's kind of that thing of nobody can set out, you can't try really hard to not get sick today. But I know that over, and we would bet on each other, right, like that, uh, that even goes into, I want you have value in your wellness that we should share. That I know how he lived his life in the past few, you know, months or years, and so I'm going to bet that probably tomorrow there's less chance of X, Y, Z illness. And I also know that because of the lingering of the mind, of the way, of the thinking, and that kind of thing that there's that we don't think about getting sick and trying not to get sick, we are always thinking about wellness and building peace and joy and satisfaction and fitness and sleep and and, but, and I think then if you get into the evidences to try to convince somebody else to go to bed on time and to eat right and don't smoke and exercise and blah, 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 at some point in their journey, they have to engage in those things, too. But I think the answer to your question is a lot, And um, that the, the mystery of the genetic Newtonian side, because that's also very real. doesn't matter Well, you already talked about this today. I don't care really what that kid thinks, but he's not a dog, right? But you just gave him evidence that, hey, if you think it hard enough, you could become dog-like. And there is evidence of that, right? If you think illness and sickness or wellness hard enough, you have an increased chance of manifesting those things. But can you name it and claim it? And just because of of something or other... I, I would believe not, but we we spoke this morning about Kevin can't try really hard to speak German, but could he become the kind of guy who could think in German in a few months or years? You could, and and so when so now we're back to what our our discussion today is. Well, what is wellness? What is health? What is happy? What is and now how do we? rearrange all of our affairs through all of these spokes to be becoming the kind of people who are more likely to say, you know, I don't have a cold today. Or, you know, I did the 15th pull-up. That was my goal, and maybe next tomorrow is 16, or maybe I'm happy with 15. And, and through everything. And I'll also say, Tom, because you also spoke that question and statement very intelligently by saying, or by very normal American intelligence. But what you can't see is the state of Kevin's, I don't know if I pick on you, his skin. Mm -hmm. What you can't see is the state of my joints. If I was going to say, oh, what's wrong with me is my joints feel too stiff. And every American looks at me and say, well, you must be fit or you must be healthy or you must eat this or you must whatever. And I'm like, you don't know. And... And we live in a in this culture that makes those kind of aesthetic judgments and and, and assumptions, and I'm so sorry, because so many people are under a painful emotional burden uh, because of that, and it makes it harder to then believe, to switch the beliefs to to engage in uh, this process, whether it's spiritual or financial or personal or physical, and all of those all of those things because. It's just so hard or our culture, right? Like you can't go into, you can't go into a culture of a thousand years ago where you're lucky to eat every third day, right? Like that would, I would be much more prone to disease in that culture because of a metabolic genetically influenced reality. You would be much more resilient, right? We didn't ask to be born in this time or place or whatever, but here we are. And so we have to make decisions, you are, I don't know if you know this, but you are a Caucasian male. Are you okay with that? <laughs> so there's, there's some assumptions there, right? You can, in our culture these days is also now bending these words of what is Caucasian-ness, right? Or blackness or Asian-ness or whatever. And I would be the first to say, yeah, we've done that really badly, there's 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 sin and woundedness and, and all of that and male female we've 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 gotten ourselves confused on now but somehow we're not confused on the fact that I am 54 and 73 inches tall and and even if I identify as 75 then okay so so for people to then take all of these points into their head how do and because the only you still have to start with a diet. And awareness, you still have to begin. You still have to engage in these ideas. But if you don't do it holistically, with awareness of your mind and your relationship with God, and why you would be doing these things, then if you're if you're faking it through a budget, just because you want to afford that one thing, and you, but you don't have a lifelong budget, then you're still going to struggle with debt, and you're not going to. And and that's how people do the whole American wellness journey
0: i i do Disaster. i do love the question though tom because we've talked about that before do we not get just to take sick do we get sick less often
1: because of all we the don't things i think we're going to get sick
0: well yeah but because i always want to go to the, because oh, it's because of the food and the exercise and the you know those intentional ta- tangible things or how much of it is the placebo kind of thing you know uh working in there of going just because we
1: yes but to, to tie it to what he said, the placebo is not a nothingness. It is quantum energetic reality.
0: Uh, no, I, I think it's, no, I'm with you. Maybe okay. more, the most powerful thing, yeah. honestly, is that, okay. that supplement, I, I, whether it has the right ingredients yeah. and is it going to help me. You believe it helps Or you. the fact that I believe that it helps me. And uh, I get called out on that a lot because I do often want to look at the tangible things, exercise and yeah. food and whatever, as opposed to, no, I just think of myself, like you said, I like that think of myself as the kind of guy who does X, who is capable of X. And that's what gives me the motive to actually do those things. And it has a infinitely powerful reaction, you know, to the actual goodness that exists in me as well. Yes. Yep. So
2: the, the sequence I see is that relationships and thinking influence the belief, belief influences the actions you're going to take. And those actions that you take, they get a result, right? Good or bad, they yeah. they they get a result. And so, so I believe on it in two ways. I believe because you're thinking on these things and having relationships with people who believe the same, that influences your belief into an action. And the action, the follow through, like if you did all that stuff and there was no action afterwards, right? You still ate Twinkies, right? You know, it's... You're not going to get the results, uh, and the placebo is unbelievable. I was just sh- at our conference; they shared the uh, smoothie placebo. Have you heard the pl- the smoothie placebo? Uh-uh. What's that? So there, um, there's a hormone or a chemical released in your body that is your hunger mechanism, right? And so they took this smoothie, and to half the people they gave the smoothie, they said, look, this is a rich, luxurious, fat-laden smoothie. You're going to love it. And then they do the blood test an hour later to see what's going on with the hunger thing. They all have a suppressed appetite. They take the same smoothie, they go to the other half of the people, and they say, oh, This is a lifestyle smoothie. It's light. It is going to give you the nutrition that you need. Right? And an hour later, they do the blood. And they're hungry. Their appetite is up. Because one of them was thinking, high calorie, this is going to fill me up. The other group was thinking, wow, I'm going to feel good, but there's not any calories in it. Man, I hope it's good. So...
1: I I have to comment on that. I'm going to, I will dig up that. I might email you and say, hey, where's the reference? And I'm going to infuse it with another one. So, so they measured the actual leptin or ghrelin or whatever those. It was ghrelin. Ghrelin. Ghrelin that they measured. Okay. So that is a real measurable chemical. Okay. So now we're going to take another experiment that has been done and there's 20, Kevin Miller's over there, and and they don't change a thing. They do Kevin. There's 20 Kevin Millers right here, and you pick up your 30-pound dumbbell, and every day you do that thing, say, 10 times to the point of failure. And you do that three times a day for 30 days. And then there's 20 Kevin Millers over here, and and you realistically— think you don't move your arm mm-hmm. you think through lifting that weight you know how much that weight is you think through how much it is to the point of failure will the guy who lifts the weight will his bicep be demonstrably bigger measurably bigger yeah. stronger no yeah. will the guy who thinks it is it measurably bigger yes not as big as actually doing it but is it bigger than the guys don't, don't do any different Mm -hmm. How can that be? So is that, again, is that part of the image bearing of God that we have the capacity, it is mind over literal matter, literal substance that we can't, I can't think a million dollars in my hand right here, right? Like there's, that's what people think of when they think of or back to cold, and I would tell my son, look, it's mind over matter. You've you got to go to school anyway. I know you're feeling a little bit off, but you'll forget about it and whatever. Well, he doesn't want to. <laughs> he wants to lay on the couch and be sick. Yeah. That reality to me, which is buried somewhere in quantum energetic mechanics, the speed of light, and, and I think we're back to Colossians 117, in him all things hold together and he's inviting us into this deeper, like you said, it's always deeper. It's always mysterious, er. There's there's always something well er, and and, and and we're invited into it. We're invited into the to the mystery of, of participating in this, which is like you said, Kevin, is, is I'm so curious. Yeah. I'm so interested in this. I want to participate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it brings to me just the power of expectation, kind of back to what you saw. I talked about, Tom, with diet. If I'm doing that for a short term result, as opposed to the power of deciding who I want to be back to the value decision, which yeah. are, and Agency. Saying, I am the kind of I think of myself, I am the kind of guy who does X is X that that alone has X amount of power. And then as it motivates me to do those activities, it adds upon that. And it's a compound effect of that. Yeah. Power of expectation. All right, friends. Well, there you go. There's the thousandth episode, and we only got through three spokes on the uh, seven spokes of the Ziegler Wheel of Life. So stay tuned uh, in coming episodes. We're going to do part two, and we'll get through the other four, but I was going to rush us through that, and I think it was worth giving some time to each of that. I think with values, motives, and habits, we really got into some you know, personal ethos on each of those. These are the areas where we find as humans fulfillment. We have a lot of talk these days about happiness, which is often so momentary and fleeting. And uh this is this is the area these are the areas of life. These are deathbed regrets, these are midlife regrets, these are the things that we ultimately, the areas where we desire Fulfillment, And when we miss an area, we find ourselves out of balance or a longing or a void. And so uh, how neat to talk about this with uh, the three of us who spend so much time in this arena, personal development and self-help and health and wellness and to uh, kind of bring together and converge our thoughts so uh, you look forward to part two of this where we go through the other four spokes coming up soon Hey, thank you so much for choosing to tune in to the thousandth episode of the Self Helpful Podcast if you got value subscribe give us a rating and again if you heard something that resonated with you talk about it with someone that will help you and help them share something and keep the conversation going I sincerely sincerely hope that we've helped you help yourself.